hope so. We hope so. Well, good evening. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for this time, Lord, to bow our hearts and our and our souls to you, Lord, and thank you for being our God and Creator, for the worship that we had and singing these songs, Lord. It just just kind of reminds me of how we'll be worshiping you for eternity, Lord. And Lord, we get in the busyness of the day and the aches and pains in our bodies and everything, and our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. So we thank you that you know us, Lord. You have pity on our souls, Lord, and you know we're as grass, Lord. We are one day going to wither and die, Lord, but you, you want our souls to be with you forever. So we thank you that you never give up on us, Lord. So, Lord, now as we open up your word, thank you for putting these things on my heart, Lord, that I get frustrated with sometimes. But, Lord, your, your word always has an answer for these things. So I thank you that it comforts my heart, Lord, as I read your word. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Pastor Mike said, I been teaching the convalescent ministry for quite a few years now and um, it's been a blessing to be up there and um, I'm going to sit a little bit because I got a lot of health issues. Can I move this? No? Okay, thanks. My, I got a lot of arthritis and stuff going on in me so it's very humbling to have to sit a lot now. There was a brother up at Convalescent. Uh, he just went to be with the Lord a couple of months ago. He had terminal cancer for quite a few years up there. And one day I walked in and his, he told his wife, get him a stool. So I got a portable stool. With, I got a boom box with CDs for uh, all their songs that we do. We would do Amazing Grace and Fly Away and all those neat songs. And so uh, I'm a traveling teacher with wheels and, and all that stuff. So uh, it helps to sit a little bit. But I'm going to be in... Um, Luke chapter 24 tonight, starting to uh, verse 13. And I also go door to door, even with a bad hip, because as Pastor was sharing earlier, because God tells us to. Why go share Jesus if if they already know who's going to be saved and who's not? Because God tells us to. But, you know, it's just sad when I listen to sometimes the... uh, talk radio, a church um, talk radio, a KKLA, uh, the other day they were talking about, um, you know, what's wrong with the church? You know, how come they don't share and how come they're all messed up? And and uh, the host had John MacArthur on there and he said, well, you know, we're, we're not supposed to be fighting the world. We're supposed to be just loving Jesus and sharing. And, uh, and, and the host said, well, isn't it our duty? And he said, no, it shouldn't be a duty. It should, should be a desire in our heart to want to be telling people about Jesus. And I, I just love John MacArthur. And, uh, and then real quick, the other issue was, and I just said, I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with it. But is there too much skin in church? <laughs> and I'm like, look where we're at, where we got to you know, worry about these issues. You know, instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to come and get equipped and get out there you know, and, and share Jesus with people. So as, we, as I'm going to read these verses, it's the story of the, the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. And just a little back up in verse uh, 1 of 24, you just you know it's the resurrection. Uh, Christ is raised from the dead. Uh, the disciples that were with him, they went there and found the tomb empty, and they're pondering the thoughts. And, and he's not here, and they're trying to put it all together. But you have two of the disciples that weren't of the 11, and here they are. They're walking down the road, and it says now in verse um, 12, and it says, Now behold, two of them... Were, <clears throat> excuse me, traveling, 
in the same day to a village called Emmaus, and which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they were uh, conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, and so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is it you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and you have not known the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word before God and all the people, and how chief priests and all the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him, that we may, uh, we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, today is the third day since the things happened, and yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us, and when they did not find the body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who uh, were, were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them, in scriptures and the things concerning himself. Then they drew near the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, and that they is far spent, and he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while we talked with him on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? Now, when I have a lot of things going on in my life, questions, and I, and I, I always think, Well, God, couldn't you just, like, come on, give it to me? I remember that, that was when I first got saved, and I thought, Well, why do I need to read the Bible? Can't you just do it somehow like this? And he goes, It don't work that way, Kim. And it was really hard for me to get into God's Word. I was thankful that I was under a, a, a pastor that taught the Word of God. But it was like a learning process of just going once a week, and then I got into midweek, and then I, you know, more and more. But I was never really structured or told to study the Bible or to read it every day. And, you know, just as a, as a new Christian, I'm like, what are you supposed to do? And it can happen in a big church. So I cried out to God and... and not having a, a background of reading per se, because I come from a drug and alcohol background, so I disciplined myself, because I would start to read and then my mind would wander, and then I'd stop and I would re read again. So, I, and then I finally got the yearly Bible, and uh, that's two, two chapters of old, one chapter of new, some Psalms and Proverbs, so now if I faithfully read that every day for 365 days, I get through the Bible in a year, and I've been doing that for the last 16 years. And it's like, the Bible is so real. I was Because Pastor Mike does that for his devotions. It's funny, I asked the kids that last two weeks ago. I said, do you think Pastor Mike would read their yearly Bible if he wasn't a pastor? And they go, no. And I go, oh, interesting. Pastor just does what he does because he's a pastor. He's not a Christian. And I go, oh, interesting. 
And, uh, and that's the way we perceive things. Well, he has to do it. He's the pastor, you know. But I asked Pastor Mike, you know, because we were going through, you know, we're going through Jeremiah now, and you're seeing the judgment that he's told to tell the people, and it's like, you know, going, wait a minute. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I thought, you know, you wanted me to go tell people how much God loves them. And, and, no, you're going to tell them that they're in sin and they're going to be in judgment and all this. And then he goes, you tricked me. It's like, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. But it said it burned within his heart. He couldn't hold it in. And it's been that way with me a lot of times because I've had more rejection than people accepting the Lord. And I've, I'm not going to do it. But I can't help it. It burns within my heart. The things that God tells me to say. I'm working for a gentleman right now that's a multimillionaire, and I've worked for him eight years ago. And uh, I shared with him back then. Nothing. So now I, he's back, I'm back again. It's interesting because God's given me the gift of um, fixing things and painting and things like that. So he's got this mansion, and he goes, and he's a retired race car driver, so he's very meticulous and just on cars. So he says, Kim, you know what to do on the house. Just fix it, do it, and give me a bill at the end of the week. And I said, don't screw me. Just don't mess with me, you know. And so, I, you know, I, if, if I start to say, well, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm not going to mess with you. And he said, no, I've done that before. And then, they, they, you know, if you mess up one time, oh, you called yourself a Christian. and all that. So I've learned not so much say it, but just be it. You know, do my work unto the Lord. Even I don't have to tell people that. I can just say, you know, to the Lord, I'm doing this for you. It seems like I'm har- working harder than if I would have bid the job. Because I want him to see that I'm really working hard for, for what I'm doing for this gentleman. And I think he's going through a process of two, some health, health issues. So what I've learned is that God's putting in me in people's lives that it might be the last time they, you know, hear the Bible. Because I'm on his property. I remember when I went to paint the front door, these huge front doors, and it had a little sticker, no solicitors. And so I, you know, told me to take it, take it off. We'll put one on later. But I'm like, man, I'm at this man's house every day. I'm on his grounds praying for him and his family every day. And, and I'm praying that, you know, before I leave that I'm going to share with him again. You know, I'm not worried about losing the job or whatever. It's like that. I just know that God has me there. To have my work and doing unto him and unto the Lord, and I'm hopefully that I'll be able to share the love of Christ with him. You know, and, and that's what we should all be praying for in our lives, because I think a lot of times, as these two disciples were going here, as we're going to see, and I don't know if you can relate to these things that we're going to be looking at, this journey to Emmaus is both a literal and a spiritual journey. And I don't know if you can relate it to your life, but I can relate it to mine. So one shows what happens to these disciples on their way home after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because, you know, it it was a big thing that Jesus was doing. He was healing people, and, you know, dead was being raised, and they're feeding people, and they hear about him. And all of a sudden it gets around and says, hey, he's going to die, and he's going to raise from the dead, you know. And so a lot of times, as we know, people, you know, wanted to see these miracles, and they want to see Jesus that way. And, uh, you know, a lot of times Jesus would pull people off to the side. You know, there's a blind man that um, when Jesus healed him, he pulled him out of the village and even said to him, he said, you know, and he spit, put his on his eyes and he says, what do you see? And I see, I see men walking like trees. And then he touched him again and he says, now I see clearly. So it's kind of a perspective of how, you know, we, we think we can see, but 
can we really see? That was kind of the title of my message is, you know, once I was blind and now I see? Like a question. And so, again, it's like a literal journey and a spiritual. On the other, uh, it's an outline for us who do not fully recognize Jesus to understand what the scriptures say about him, to recognize him for who he is, and finally to our giving witness of what he has experienced. So first, Jesus seeks us. Although they knew Jesus, who he was, they did not recognize him. They knew a lot about him, and they heard a lot. Uh, they've been witnessing, uh, they were witnesses to everything that he's done in Jerusalem, what happened, yet they were not um, able to see him or to recognize him. And that's the way it is as, you know, you talk to a lot of people. One reason is because, see, we see here first that God did not want them to recognize him. He, they restrained him from seeing him, and you wonder why. He says, well, God's purpose for their blindness is to further pursue who he is. They had heard everything about him, yet not recognizing him. And sometimes, you know, as you know, as uh, Pastor Mike's in the book of Hebrews, and I'm in the book of Hebrews, too, at Convalescent, and it, we're talking about, you know, faith. You know, substance things not seen. Evidence, that, I mean, some things, I just messed it up, but you know what I'm talking about. But it's the idea that we walk by faith. We don't see Jesus. So I've never seen God in the, you know, flesh or anything. And, uh, but it's our faith. It's the things that we might be the only Bible that people see. So Jesus is doing a work on these two disciples right here. And it's the same he, the way he works on us. They had their own ideas of who Jesus is and what they expected of him. Verse 21 says, But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. And now that he died, and he's, it's been three days. You know, I, I, I was in a drug and alcohol ministry for quite a few years at um, Chino Valley. And I would have guys come in, because I had that background. So I thought, well, I could relate to these guys, you know. And, and that's how God started working on me of getting in the scriptures. Because I would listen to somebody have a problem. And I go, well, I don't know where that is right now, but I'll get back with you next week. And then God was getting a hold of Kim. Because now I'm searching for the answers. And so I would come back, and hopefully they'd be back. Some were and some weren't. But the idea was these guys would come in, and then I would say, well, here's the answer. It's in Scripture. Well, you know, Kim, I know that. But this is where I'm at. Because they're looking at it as God's not fixing it the way I want it to be fixed. They don't want to put the effort in to disciple, to be discipled, or to get into the Word. And it kind of reminded me, and I'm not making fun of it, but I almost felt like I was Father Kim. It's like they come in. And they, they feel good because you had some worship, you had the word, and you come in, a bunch of guys, and fellowship. Thank you. You know, and you're go they're gone until, you know, a month later or whatever it is. And, and you see that a lot in, in times in church. You know, I was out in the foyer last week because uh, Lark was teaching with the kids, because I teach the kids here too at church. And I looked at people coming in at 1030 and 11, and I'm like, why? You know, what? You know, and then they hang around and talk and have coffee. But you know, I went to church today. You know, and it kind of breaks my heart because it, it's what church has become a lot of times. We're not here to, to get equipped and get ready to go out, you know, and, and to proclaim the gospel. But says, while God has a plan, we're not always on the same page. You know, you know, Bible, you know, Proverbs says that, that man makes his plan, but God directs his paths. And in Matthew 16, 21, we, you know the story from 
when from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall never happen to you. But he turned to him, to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are of an offense to me. And for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That's, that's heavy duty. And I know God was doing a big time work on Peter. Because you, you look at how he was walking with the Lord. But it was after when he even denied the Lord three times. And then when the Lord met him again and said, Peter, do you love me? Three times. God was working on him. Then you get to the book of Acts. And you see when he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, he's, he's preaching. You know, and, and that's what we need to be doing. So this is a process that I see that, you know, God is working on how he worked on these disciples and how he's worked on me. I hope he's working on you that way. Just because they knew all about Jesus does not mean that they knew him. Just because they could see him does not mean that they could see who he was. Many people today say they know who Jesus is and they have heard about him. They read about him and use his name, and even claim to know him. <clears throat> they would not recognize him if they saw him. Their eyes were not, have, have not been opened. Knowing about him and knowing him are two different things. And so that was what Jesus was trying to show these two guys. Is, and, could you, and, you know, because I, I would read that a lot of times. I'm thinking, you know, why would God do that? Why would he come up and say, hey, how's it going? And it's like, was he invisible? You know, and, but you... you start digging deeper you get in the commentaries you know what's the spiritual aspect of this you know because again they're looking for insight you know when I go out on the streets and share or I go door to door deep down inside I know people have something there they're looking for when we went out door to door uh, the last time the first thing a gentleman I met on the streets uh, he come walking towards us and I'm like all right man it's like the Lord's letting the fish come right to us I don't even have to go to the door and uh so I said, hey, you know, we told him our names, who, we're, who we are, where we're from. And I said, I go, are you married? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, okay, so when you got married, I said, did you tell your wife, uh, let's get married for a couple of weeks and see how it goes? And he starts laughing. He goes, of course not. And I said, it's the same thing with the Lord. I said, you know, we don't just say, I'm going to try out Christianity or I'm going to come to Jesus for a couple of weeks and see how it is. But I've heard people say that. I've tried Jesus. And it was funny when we got done because the more I shared with the guy, the fi- you know, sir, I got to go. Because... It started getting to him because I used the way of the master. You, you consider yourself a good person. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stole? The law was coming in to reveal him. And he and I finally he took a track. But you could see it. It was starting to get to him. So we got done, and one of the brothers, the first time he's gone out with us, he goes, man, that was good, Kim. I go, yeah, I had it all written down here on my hand. No. You know, I said, I learned from that. You know, I learned that the Holy Spirit gave me that right then. You know, the marriage analogy thing. And, you know, I said, that's how we learn. You know, we can be so prepared of reading and all these things, but you've got to go out there and just say, Lord, here I am. You know, and then when you walk away, you go, wow, Lord, that was you. I seen Jesus when I go out. I don't see him physically, but I see it in the hearts of people. Two of the gentlemen that at the doors, because I, you know, I, I pray as I'm looking at them, and then... The one gentleman said, and he was a, a Hispanic man, a good-sized guy with tattoos all over his chest. You know, he's home the weekend. You could see the roofs off. He's probably working on that. 
And I said, so you go to church? He goes, yeah, Chino Hills. And I said, oh. I said, uh, do you read the Bible? Nah. I said, oh, wow. I said, did you know you're the priest of your home? And you're going to be accountable for you, your, your kids and your wife and all these things? And man, he just had that look like he just didn't want to hear this. But his heart was open to it. And I shared with him. I gave him a new believer's Bible. You know, we pray with the guy. You know, there's a couple of gentlemen like that. And so there's times when you can see that. You can just see, like, you know, well, I'm, I'm glad this is happening. I'm glad this, this people came and told me. You know, even though we're, we're you know, I'm not trying to say come to our church, but I'm just trying to get you to get in the Word of God. And that's what we have to keep pointing to. Because then it says Jesus opens their eyes. In verse 27 it says, Then beginning with Moses and from the prophets, Jesus shared all the scriptures that spoke about him. You know, scriptures aren't mentioned which one they shared. But it could have been like, um, perhaps he told them about Genesis 3.15. That's the first mention of the gospel in the Bible. You know, when he said, God said, He cursed the serpent saying, I will put... Hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That's one of the most prophetic things in the Bible right from Genesis. It's amazing. And then he could have went on and, and shared about Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign and the virgin will conceive and have a son and name, his, name him Emmanuel, which is God with us. You know, I, I tell the kids when we are learning the scriptures and I said do you know God never can lie he never makes a mistake and because we do the the law I says you know if you're okay if you're if you lie how many times do you have to lie before you're a liar and they go one time I says okay so if God messed up on one prophecy in the Bible they're all illegitimate I go wow so if all these have happened and the ones are going to happen they're going to happen so I love sharing with the kids I shared um, in Romans 8, it was, it was talking about when um, all things work together for the good of those who love God and called according to his purpose, and whom he's called, he's predestined and called, and then, uh, then he's, um, but he doesn't say uh, sanctified, because we're being sanctified right now, but he uses the past tense of glorified, and they're looking at me, and I said, in the eyes of God, he's not in our time realm, that means we're already there, even though we're here. And then one little kid goes, you're hurting my head. You're hurting my brain. But he was getting it, you know. And, and that's what we need to do. You need to look at, like, you know, because you know, I asked the one gentleman, we're door to door. You know, and I said, well, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? Because he goes to church. And then he goes, I don't know. I thought that's not a good answer. You know, and that's why you need to know that you're saved because the Bible says you are. So the next one he could have said was Isaiah 53, 3. And he was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrow, suffering, who knew uh, sickness what, what sickness was. He was like the people turned away from him. He was despised, and they did not value him. And Scripture gives testimony of who Jesus is. And John said in Revelation 19.10, and this is when John uh, felt the feet of an angel. Cause could you imagine he's getting all this vision of heaven, you know, in the it's just, and he's trying to put it into human terms, but he sees an angel. And it, you, know, you ever see an angel? I mean, it just it threw him off, and he just like hits the ground. But the the angel says, you know, as he, well, First John says, and I fell at his feet to worship him, 
But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren, and you have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So that means the Old Testament's prophecy, and the New Testament is preaching. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be taking the things of the Old Testament. That's why you see it so structured in Calvary chapels and um, churches that teach the word. You cross-reference. You know, you take the things from the Old Testament, you bring it into the New, and you bring it all together. And, and that's how it works. And that's what's so awesome about our New Believers Bible. That I've been praying about Bibles, how to give them out. And Greg Laurie has an awesome one on... They call it New Believers, but I give them to people that are 20 years in the Lord because they never read the Bible before. But it's structured. It's who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, what's temptation, all these things. And it, and it tells you to go out a page, gives you a small paragraph, gives you scriptures to look up. It's like just a basic little commentary, basic way to be discipled. And I give those out all the time. You know, I've never asked for money per se for any ministries that I've ever had, except Bibles. So just keep me in prayer on that, because people will take it and go, you're giving me this? It's the Word of God, right? It's free. And so that's what we do. If I'm out at convalescent or I'm on the streets, door to door, I give them these Bibles, and they're not cheap. But, it, you know, Pastor Mike knows, hey, we've got to get the Word out. So if you ever want to look at one of those, so if you want to use it and look at it and say, hey, maybe I can use this, let me know. I'm thinking about when Jesus said in verse 3, he says, and Jesus reveals himself then as they seek him in the scriptures. You know, it's that breaking of bread time. It's not a communion type thing. It's just breaking bread. A lot of times Jesus did that with his disciples. You know, it's going to be a wonderful time. I'm looking forward to, you know, the, the Bible says the Dead Sea is actually going to have fish. We're going to, I'm looking so much forward to eating fish and eating, eating with the Lord. John 21, 9. And then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and the fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. You know, it's just awesome that, you know, Jesus probably just said fish, you know, they're there, whatever, you know. But he said, hey, you know, your effort, bring it in too. You know, and, that, and that's, you know, we talk about um, sacrifices in the Old Testament when they would burn the animals. And you smell a barbecue, man, and it's a good smell. And I'm thinking, you know, that's, the Lord loves that, you know, and, and the food and, and just fellowship. And even though he's with us in spirit, you know, one day we're actually going to be with him face to face. And no more evil and no more sin and no more death, you know, sorrow. I, I love to share that a lot in convalescent. You know, we do the old fly away. It's funny when we're doing that. I'm like, my hands raised and the workers come in, you know, to do vitals or something. They're like, what? You're talking about dying and flying away? But it's true. It's true. And so that's another opportunity. Uh, I'm kind of building that up as a commercial. Pray about door-to-door, convalescent. Fellowship with him was not going to depend on their ability to see him, but rather upon their taking him at his word. You know, and, and that's one thing I've learned. I've heard uh, people say, well, you know, Kim, I did, I've never had a father. And I said, I haven't either. You know, my step, I never knew my real dad, and my stepdad was a, a drunk. And, uh, but every time I look in the Bible for a need of everything, because Jesus is everything, so he fills every void. So that's why I've always looked at my Christian life. In John 17, 3, one of my favorite um, chapters is John 17. It's the prayer of Jesus. You know, he prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for us. 
It, it, I remember doing a study on that, and, and it just was so amazing to me, this prayer. And this is eternal life, John 17, 3, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And that's the other thing you need to pray about. When I used to first serve at Chino Valley, um, I said, well, we've got to do something. So we, the, the, um, the store was a mobile store. They had a trailer. So I go, I could do that. And I could set boxes out, set things up. And they go, hey, where's this one? I don't know. Let me, you know that's how I started. And then, um, then they went to the, that was when we were in Ontario first. And they went to the bigger church down in Chino Valley. And I thought, well, now they're in a place to turn on a switch. I go, okay, Lord, what now? My wife and I got into uh, children's ministry. And we had little kids. And then I remember sometimes kids, some of the certain ones, one kid had autism, and, you know, he went to reach for a crayon of another kid, and they said, you can't do that. This kid just started having a fit, and I grabbed him, and and I just prayed, and he went limp. And God was just showing me the power of prayer. And we had another little girl. She was five, and she had an unknown disease but they had her so drugged up, and they had to keep her in there, and she was playing, and I would make sure she don't fall. She wound up dying and going with the Lord. You know, I would stop by the parents one day. They wouldn't answer the door as a young couple. So you, you learn that as you go. You're just not getting in there, just babysitting kids. And then I got into the drug and alcohol ministry, and then uh, the Lord put it on my wife and uh, my heart to come to Ontario over this, you know, start this uh, work. And then we started a skate park at the other facility we had. I did that every Saturday. Had pizza and loud music and kids coming. And I'm thinking, God, now it was then because I couldn't do it now. But that's the process. You know, and then uh, Sal was teaching convalescent. When we first became a church, um, the lady that was doing the um, activity director there, she was a Christian lady, and she, as soon as we first time became a church, she said, can you have somebody come up and do a service? on a Saturday, and Sal started doing that for a lot of years, and then he would have me substitute when he would go on a vacation or trip, and then when he had his problems with his situation with his heart, uh, Pastor Mike just said, you know, Sal can't do this anymore, can, you know, pray about having somebody else do it, and my wife goes, Kim will do it, and, and I knew that was from the Holy Spirit, because now I get to be in a ministry with my wife, because she didn't really be called for, you know, per se, skate park or high school ministry and those kind of things. And uh, so that was a blessing. And then, um, so now I remember going up there and, and we'd walk. Okay, we got this for an hour. And then, you know, I, I forgot I'm on the Lord's time. So I used to say, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say I have this afterwards as much. And just pray that maybe the doors literally are going to open because they're there. And I would be able to share with so many people up there. Uh, one lady I remember because uh, they think this is the end of their life per se, you know, and got her uh, Christian books and she started a little library of donating books out to people and uh, that gentleman that had terminal cancer um, he had so many bed sores but he wanted to get out in the hall and share Jesus. I'd give him the million dollar bills and all these tracks. So they had to make a special chair with an opening on the bottom with the donut thing around and then his hands were so crimped up from the cancer they put handles all the way around so he could and just that little bit of independence he wanted to be able to get from here to there in that hall it was so cool 
It was so neat to see how the Lord was, you know, equipping this man to share his faith. And last but not least, it says Jesus moves them to share. It says, when your eyes are opened, you will want others to have theirs open too. I think that's the hardest thing to do for us, you know, because we see it. And they don't. That's hard. It breaks my heart when I know what this is all about. You know, you know, I tell Pastor Mike, and he knows it already, but it just seems like every day you look at the news, because my wife says, Kim, why do you do this? And I, I have to see the nation's rage. You know, Psalm 2 says, why do the nation's rage? And, and God laughs. Um, you know, the Boy Scouts are going to accept girls now. You know, and the Girl Scouts are upset because they're going to lose revenue. I mean, the world doesn't know who they are. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. You know, and we have the answer. It doesn't mean everybody's going to accept it, but, you know, we need to look at somebody and say, can I share with you? Can I ask you? Majority of them are going to get upset and say no, but it doesn't matter. You have to have that desire to have somebody that wants to see. Did not our hearts burn within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Oh, I love that. I just love that because there's so many times I need to read the Bible more than I do. And I don't because I'm lazy. You know, so I thank God that he goes before me. So to teach, I have to dig deep. So when I challenge people, I don't know if you guys are, uh, you guys know Gene, Gene and Bernice, and Bernice went to be with the Lord. The guy's on the move. You know, he's, he went out door to door with us two months ago, but he passed out, so he can't go with us anymore. Um, and uh, but it's too hot, so we're going to work it out when it cools off. He'll go and shorten it up or do something. But he he loves it. He loves to go out. Um, then he was started coming to morning prayer uh, with the guys in the mornings. And I said, looks like you're going to be starting to make a, a routine of this. He goes, yeah. I said, well, pray about doing a devotion. What's a devotion? So I explained it to him, and he comes in with this little piece of paper. And I, I'm always praying, okay, Lord, keep it one page. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, no, but he starts reading it, and because of being older and whatever's going on, he, he skips, and it, it, he can't even read his own writing very much. But it's from the heart. And, and it just, uh, I, you get really touched by it. And his prayers are just short and simple. And, and so the next time, uh, I thought I was asking him to do one devotion. So next week, I'm getting ready, and... And he goes, what? And I, and I go, are you, are you doing another devotion? He goes, well, yeah. But that's his ministry now. You know, and then um, he was, he, he shares, he kind of sits in there with the first and second graders, and he felt a call to teach the kids. Okay. So I gave him a book. I said, okay, you've got to read these three chapters. And then I said, you're going to learn this much, and you're going to give this much. Okay, and that's how you learn. And that's how God gets a hold of you. Because, you know, you can do your devotions, and you can do, come and listen. But when you teach, you know, you're being accountable to God. And I'm, you did. You know, I've been praying all week, knowing that God was putting on my heart on this message. And so, um, I always look for answers. You know, and I don't mean it mean, but I'm like, Lord, why don't people want to share you? What, what is this? I remember when Chris first came to our church, he was a Christian for a couple of years. And he goes, Kim, what do Christians do? And I go, 
they go out. And he's been going out. You know, and, and he just goes, why doesn't anybody else? And I go, I don't know, ask him. And so we need to take a step of faith. I've had people tell me, you'll never get me out there. I'm like, oh, you're right, I won't. But the Holy Spirit will. The new brother, well, he's not new, but he kept telling me, Kim, I'm going to go. I go, look, there was two servants, and Jesus said, one said I'll go, and the other one, and one said I'll go, but he didn't. The other one said I won't go, and he did. Which one was faithful? He goes, the one that went. I said, okay. So he finally went. And hopefully he's going to come back again. But it doesn't matter. At least he went once just to see. We're praying that, you know, people will come and you don't have to say a word. You can pray with us. But I'm telling you, one thing, when you come out, you'll see Jesus. You see Jesus out there. Remember, Jesus told Thomas, because there he is. He walks through the wall. I love telling the kids that. You know, Jesus walked through walls, and he teleports. And I said, think, guess what we're going to be doing? I'm like, whoa. And I said, um. But after he left, Thomas comes in, and, oh, we've seen the Lord. Uh-uh, I'm not going to believe unless I touch him and see him and all this. Because, because you have seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing me are blessed. So if we're Christians... We should be sharing Jesus with people. So I'm going to finish up here. I read Spurgeon morning by morning. And uh, it's not by chance that it was on this this morning. I love the way the Lord works. And it's Psalm 119.15. I will meditate in thy precepts. There are times when solitude is better than society and silence is wiser than speech. And we should be better Christians if we were more alone, waiting upon God and gathering through meditation on his word, spiritual strength for labor in his service. We ought to muse upon the things of God because we, um, because we have got the, um, the real nourishment out of them. Truth is something like the cluster of a vine. And if we would have wine, it must bruise it. We must press and squeeze it many times. The bruiser's feet must be come down joyfully upon the bunches, or else the juice will not flow. And they must well tread the grapes, or else much of the precious liquid will be wasted. So we must be by meditation, tread the clusters of truth. And if we would get the wine of consolation therefrom, our bodies are not supported by merely taking food into the mouth, but the process by which uh, supplies the muscle and the nerve and the sinew and the bone and the process of digestion. It is by digestion that the outward food becomes assimilated with the inner life. Our souls are not nourished merely by listening a while to this and then to that, and then another part of a divine truth. Hearing, reading, marking, and learning all require inwardly digesting to complete their usefulness, and inward digesting of the truth lies for the most part in the meditating upon it. Why is it that some Christians, although they hear many sermons, make slow advances in the divine life? because they neglected their, their closets and they do not thoroughly meditate on God's word. They love the wheat, but they do not grind it. 
They would have the corn, but they will not go forth into the fields to gather it. The fruit hangs upon the tree, and they will not pluck it. The water flows at their feet, but they will not stoop down to drink it. From which folly they deliver us, O Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this time, Lord, to, that you've just put it on my heart, Lord, as to, to see what you've been doing with me. It's been such a, a hard road for me because I don't feel compelled to do the things you tell me to do, Lord. But as your word says, as Paul said, as ambassadors for you, we are compelled because your Holy Spirit tells us to do these things. So, Lord, we can't do it on our own, but we can do all things things through Christ who strengthens us. So I pray for myself and I pray for everyone here tonight, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will bring us to that point, Lord, where we need to see you, not physically, but spiritually, Lord, by taking the steps of faith that you are telling us to do. I don't know how many times I've told you no, and you don't give up. You'll bring it up over and over. The Holy Spirit hound will just keep there. And eventually you might not hear that anymore. It's because God says, okay, I'll get someone else. And then you feel an emptiness emptiness. I don't like that. I feel like I'm just a million miles away from you, Lord. So, Lord, even as Pastor Mike asked me to step in for him because of his busyness and my flesh was just not wanting to because of tiredness and weakness, I thank you, Lord, that my, my spirit was willing, Lord, because you bless me so much by this. So, Lord, we give you all glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. God bless. Song.